0: Welcome back, everyone. This is Kim Eagle with the Earn That Body Podcast. I just want to say thank you to all the people who have taken the time to put a rating and review up on iTunes about the Earn That Body Podcast. Now, as I've said before, this podcast is sort of a labor of love and also a volunteer community thing act, I guess you could say, that I give back to the community with because I do not make any money in the podcast. My intent is simply to help pay health forward by teaching people and educating people about health, fitness, and nutrition free of charge. So, If and when you have given a review on iTunes or if you want to give one, it is a great way to thank me for the podcast if it's something that you enjoy each week. So thanks to all the people who have given some amazing reviews. And if you haven't yet, I would so appreciate all you have to do is go to iTunes or even on the podcast apps. You can put a rating and review right in. Now, what are we talking about today? We're gonna talk about vitamin D. It's something that's been coming up a lot lately with some of my clients. They're taking vitamin D supplements or they asked me if they should take vitamin D supplements or perhaps they have found out that they have a vitamin D deficiency. So I thought this is a perfect opportunity to make sure that everybody's educated about what vitamin D is, do we need it? Do we need the supplement? Can it hurt us or will it benefit us? always good to get that education so all of that after this and now it's time for the eagle's eye on health these are kim's quick tips latest health news or piece of weekly inspiration in this week's eagle eye on health i want to go over seven ways to keep leftovers not only tasty but definitely safe and this comes from a consumer report article where they talk about expert advice on health So seven ways to keep your leftovers safe. You know, when you make that extra batch at dinner, which I always recommend you do so that you can put it in the freezer and have it another week. It's one less thing you have to do to cook another meal. But are you doing it in a safe way? I think more now than ever with the COVID virus currently going on, it is so important that we keep food safety, health safety, all kinds of safety at its height and peak right now to make sure that we don't get sick in any way because not only do we not want to get COVID obviously, but we don't want to go to the doctor or the hospital for anything right now if you don't have to. So what are these seven ways? The first one is they tell you to take your refrigerator's temperature. You heard me. To keep leftovers and all the food in your refrigerator safe, the temperature should be 37 degrees Fahrenheit. So I don't know about you, but when I'm done recording this podcast, I'm actually going to go and check and see what is the actual temperature in my refrigerator. They are recommending it should be at 37 degrees. Now, the second thing they recommend is that you refrigerate promptly. So bacteria grows rapidly when food is between 40 and and 140 degrees Fahrenheit. So cooked foods should sit out no longer than 2 hours. Now bear in mind that that's 2 hours from the time you take it off the stove or out of the oven. So if you let chili or other cooked foods cool down for a half an hour before dinner and then you leave it on the table for an hour while you're serving and you're eating, but sure be sure to get it into the fridge. In that next half hour. So as a reminder, don't leave it out longer than two hours. Number three, you might want to store in small batches. Refrigerating cooked food right away is a great idea, but if you just put a big pot of maybe stew in the fridge, the food might not cool all the way through within two hours. The better solution is to actually refrigerate cooked food in several small and shallow dishes. This allows the food to get into the safe zone a little bit faster. It's also more convenient because you can take out only what you need when you really need it. You know what I'm talking about sometimes you only need a bowl of chili possibly just for yourself that night but you have an entire huge pot of it in the freezer and if you unfreeze it or defrost it once you have that you can't put it back so storing in small batches is definitely key number four You want to use your food that's stored within three to four days. They're not likely to taste all that good after the three to four days, but more importantly, even in the fridge, bacteria can grow. If you don't think you'll eat the dish again within four days, it is recommended that you freeze it any time during that window, although the sooner you freeze it, the better it will actually taste when you eat it again. According to the Department of Agriculture, leftovers should stay good in the freezer for three to four months. Always be sure to label leftover containers with the date the food was made. And you can write on a little piece of masking tape, or I just take a little piece of scotch tape and I put it on top of my Tupperware that's going in the freezer. And with a Sharpie pen, I always write what it is, so because sometimes you can't see what it is once it's frozen, and the date that you made it. Number five, they say do not defrost. So food thaws unevenly when it's left out on the counter. So the outside of a dish could reach an unsafe temperature while the middle is still completely frozen. It's generally fine to put frozen leftovers straight into the oven or microwave. Just use a food thermometer to make sure reheated food reaches an internal temperature of at least 165 degrees, according to the USDA's Food Safety and Inspection Service. If you decide to thaw, do so in the refrigerator. So that gets a little complicated on those days, if you're anything like me, when you're like, wait... I don't know what we're eating tonight and then you go to the freezer and you pull it out like two hours before and you leave it on the counter to thaw well what I'm learning as well as you're learning it's not a good idea it is always best try to think about what you want to eat the day before and that way you can have it thaw and defrost in the refrigerator instead of leaving it out number six they say to protect the flavor Even when food is safely in the refrigerator or freezer, its quality can degrade if it's exposed to moisture or oxygen, which causes the dreaded freezer burn. I hate when food has freezer burn from the freezer. Keep it airtight. Think zip top storage or freezer bags or sealable containers. And number seven, when in doubt, throw it out. I absolutely live by that rule. I live by that rule for pretty much everything. It doesn't just have to be food. It could be something in the closet. <laughs> it's not just a catchy saying. It's good advice. And don't assume that your senses will tell you whether a food is safe to eat. True, if a food has spoiled, it may look or even smell bad. But the kinds of bacteria that cause foodborne illness like salmonella and E. coli, they won't change a food's taste smell, or appearance. So if there's ever any doubt of what you're eating, throw it out. And I'm not just talking about things that were in the freezer. If you are looking in the fridge and you open up the lettuce that was in that container you had and it looks a little bit slimy but you're a little unsure, that's doubt. Throw it out. Because it is not worth. Let me, let me tell you, it is not worth food poisoning. Okay? So when in doubt, throw it out. Those are your seven tips to keep your leftovers tasty and safe. Now let's get back to the topic at hand. Vitamin D. What is it? Vitamin D is often referred to as the sunshine vitamin. It's actually a fat soluble hormone that the body can synthesize naturally. There's several different forms of vitamin D, including two that are important for human beings, D2 and D3. Now, vitamin D2, and they say that it is called ergocaliciferol, is synthesized by plants. And vitamin D3, you, re- you ready for me to try to pronounce this? Chole. Cholecalciferol is synthesized by humans when the skin is exposed to the ultraviolet B-rays from the sunlight. And we've heard of that so much. That's why they call it the sunshine vitamin. Now, the active form of the vitamin is calciterol. Calciterol. How about that? Calcitriol. (laughs) Calciterol. they making this hard for me today and that is synthesized from either d2 or d3 in the kidneys vitamin D helps to maintain normal blood levels of calcium and phosphorus and that's why it's actually pretty important for the body now why is it truly necessary well as I just said it helps with that calcium and phosphorus but vitamin D generally assists in the absorption of calcium, and it promotes bone mineralization, which ultimately could prevent or at least slow the progression of osteoporosis. It also helps to strengthen the immune system, which is so important right now, and it protects against a number of serious diseases, including rickets and osteomalacia. Now, research suggests that vitamin D may also protect from hypertension, psoriasis, Several autoimmune diseases, including multiple sclerosis and rheumatoid arthritis, and reduce the incidence of fractured bones. In addition, growing evidence has demonstrated its important role in defending against cancer. Studies link a deficiency of vitamin D to as many as 18 different cancers. So, as we can see, vitamin D is definitely important for our health. Now, how would you know if you had a deficiency in vitamin D? What are some of those signs and symptoms? Well, deficiencies of vitamin D are actually common, especially in the industrialized countries in northern latitudes where you're basically not getting quite the same sun exposure that we would potentially get here. Low levels of vitamin D may be indicated by porous bones. You might have weak muscles and definitely would likely see easy fracturing. Now, how much vitamin D should adults take? According to the National Institute of Health, the NIH, the daily adequate intake for adults is 5 MCG or what they say 200 IU daily for males, females, and pregnant lactating women under the age of 50. People 50 to 70 should get 10 mcg or basically double which is 400 iu daily and those over 70 should get 15 mcg or 600 iu based on recent research dr Weil, who you know i love and a lot of the information today is coming from dr Weil's site recommends 2000 iu of vitamin d per day they say to look for supplements that provide d3 Rather than D2, anyone with vitamin D deficiencies always should discuss these intake levels with his or her physician. They need to be the ones telling you how much you should take. Now what about vitamin D foods? It isn't actually easy to get enough vitamin D from your diet. While there are fortified vitamin D foods like milk and cereals, most provide vitamin D2, a form which is much less well utilized by the body than the D3 that's recommended. Good dietary sources include fortified foods, eggs, salmon, tuna, mackerel, and sardines. Sardines always comes up as something healthy. I swear I've got to eat more sardines and I still haven't tried one. And I buy them. They're like literally in my pantry because I'm always like, I got to try sardines and I still haven't tried them. Okay, since sunlight causes our bodies to make vitamin D, daily exposure to the sun is actually really helpful. And they say that a helpful rule, so you know how much sun exposure to get, estimate the amount of time it would take for your skin to turn a little bit pink. Or slightly noticeably darker in the Sun and then reduce that time by 50% if you have fair skin by 25% for darker skin and get that amount of exposure between 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. two to three times per week so Get out there and feel the sun on your skin for that reduced time. Obviously, we still have to worry about skin cancer and sun damage, but we do need a certain amount of sun. So when you're out there getting that nature time, make sure that you're getting some sun exposure. Now, what about this? Taking too much vitamin D. Is it good for you? Can it hurt you? Well, according to Harthard Health Publishing, they do have a few things to say about vitamin D. The first thing that they talk about is the fact that vitamin D testing is one of the top Medicare lab tests performed in the United States in recent years. And they say that this is really surprising for a test that is recommended for only a small subset of the population. And yet so many people are being tested for it. Unfortunately, vitamin D and the trend isn't all what they say, blue skies. Some people are definitely overdoing it with all of these supplements. Imagine that. (laughs) Researchers looking at national survey data gathered between 1999 and 2014 found that there is a 2.8% uptick in the number of people taking potentially unsafe amounts of vitamin D. That's more than 4,000 international units, that's the IU, per day, according to a research letter published in the June 20th issue of the Journal of American Medical Association, JAMA. And during the same time period, there was nearly an 18% increase in the number of people taking 1,000 IU or more of vitamin D daily, which is also beyond the dose of 600 to 800 IU recommended for most people. Now, vitamin D, as they say, nicknamed the sunshine vitamin, is because your body produces it after sun exposure. It has long been known to help build strong bones by increasing the body's absorption of that calcium and the phosphorus, right? But while there is strong support for vitamin D's role in bone health, the evidence that it prevents other health conditions is actually not conclusive at this time. Research on vitamin D and calcium supplementation has been mixed, and especially when it comes to randomized clinical trials, has kind of been disappointing according to Harvard Health. Now, they have a doctor, Dr. Manson, who was a principal investigator on a recent published article, vitamin D and omega-3 trial, and a large study. The study found that those taking a vitamin D supplement did not lower rates of heart attack, stroke, or cancer. However, among people who later developed cancer, those who took the vitamin D supplements for at least two years had a 25% lower chance of dying from their cancer compared with those who received a placebo. So, It kinda to me just reminds me of every supplement out there, which is the research is not 100% there for everything that they claim that vitamin D does. So that probably means that not everybody should be out there taking a vitamin D supplement, and if you are, are you taking the right amount? Now there's a lot of factors that might affect your vitamin D levels. Um, things like where you live, because as I just said, if you live in the Northern states or the different latitudes, you are at a higher risk for a vitamin D deficiency because your skin may not be able to produce any vitamin D from sun exposure during those winter months when the sun is just not out. Another factor that affects vitamin D levels is your age your skin's ability to produce vitamin D actually does go down as you age. So if you're over 65, you generate only one fourth as much vitamin D as you did when you were in your 20s. Another factor is your skin color. People with darker skin typically have lower levels of vitamin D than lighter skinned individuals. African Americans have an average about half as much vitamin D in their blood compared with white Americans. Another factor, your weight. If you have a body mass index above 30, you may have low blood levels of vitamin D. Vitamin D is stored in fat, so in people with obesity, Less of the vitamin circulates in the blood where it's available for use by the body. Another factor is the foods that you eat. As we talked about, certain foods can definitely help, but very few, few foods naturally contain vitamin D. The U.S. government started a vitamin D milk fortification program in the thirties, and that was to combat rickets, which is a bone-weakening disease caused by vitamin D deficiency, which was a major public health problem back in the day. Breakfast cereals and some types of orange juice even may also be fortified, but it varies by brand. So the amount of vitamin D you get from food depends on the food you eat, the brand you eat how much milk you drink, definitely a lot of variables within that. And then the last thing that could affect your vitamin D levels is certain health conditions. People with conditions like inflammatory bowel disease, liver disease, or cystic fibrosis may have more trouble absorbing vitamin D, which can lead to deficiencies. Now, benefits and warnings according to Harvard Health. Although the research is still, as they say, hazy, some people will still benefit from taking vitamin D supplements along with sufficient calcium intake to promote that bone health, but they don't require large amounts of vitamin D to get the benefit. More is not necessarily better. In fact, more can be worse. An example in a 2000s. TEN study published in JAMA showed that the intake of very high doses of vitamin D in older women was associated with more falls and more fractures. In addition, taking a supplement that contains too much vitamin D can in fact be toxic in rare cases. It can lead to hypercalcemia, a condition which too much calcium builds up in the blood, potentially forming deposits in the arteries or soft tissue, and it may also predispose women to painful kidney stoves. So if you're taking vitamin D supplements, the take-home message, as always, is moderation. Taking too much can limit the benefit of that awesome sunshine vitamin. So definitely talk to your doctor If you have a vitamin D deficiency, you would only know that if you were tested. So if you were tested and you have a deficiency, just make sure that you're getting the right supplement, the right amount of supplement. Um, Make sure that there's not vitamin D potentially in maybe a multivitamin, and you're taking a vitamin D on top of that. So sometimes people are getting too much of something because it's in more than one of their supplements. Always talk to your physician. Always ask your physician a ton of questions. Don't assume that they always tell you the right information. Do your own research and then ask them. And if they don't have the answer, find out who does. All right, so I'm always asking my doctor lots of questions if they ever want to put me on anything, which I am not on anything, thank God. But if they did, I would ask a million questions and make sure that I was getting the right amount from the right way. And always, I always try to get what I need from my food if possible. But with vitamin D, that's not as possible. So that's everything for today. I hope you're a little bit more educated on vitamin D. I hope you realize that If you are taking it right now as a supplement because you just thought that everybody should take vitamin D, you might want to talk to your doctor because you might not need to take a supplement. And as I always say, you just have to be really careful with supplements because they're not regulated by the FDA. So we don't in fact know exactly what is in that supplement unless, God forbid, something goes wrong And then they investigate the actual supplement you're taking. So we don't want to take any chances when you can. If you don't have to take it, don't. But if you do, just make sure it's the right dosage, the right type, and that you've talked to your physician about it. That's everything today with the Earn That Body podcast. Always here to bring you health, fitness, and nutrition information that you can put into play right away. Stay safe out there. Stay healthy. And I will talk to you next week.